You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. We are getting you ready for the Seahawks game against the Carolina Panthers, where the Hawks have four of their remaining five regular season games at home. John Boyle from Seahawks.com is going to help me break this down. But, John, last week was so chippy. I feel like I was a little on edge, even up until about Wednesday of this week. Like, just kind of like fist up. I was ready to fight in in case I needed to, because that's kind of the way the entire team felt. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, those division games tend to be chippy in general. And, you know, like Jalen Ramsey and DK Metcalf are a big part of that. They love going back and forth. But then the the obvious added element this particular time was Bobby Wagner, who we've watched him play his entire career, and I have never seen him quite that fired up and emotional, which I don't blame him for it. Look, that was a, that was a big emotional game for him. He played incredibly well, but... There's, you know, a lot of old friendships, old relationships out on that field, and they were they were chatting back and forth quite a bit. It was, it was pretty entertaining. I don't know if I was more surprised that it was Bobby because he's he's always been the defensive captain guy, right? Like, you have to be somewhat fiery in that position, whether it's against the opponent or for your team. It was Tyler Lockett. Yeah, Tyler, he was chirping a little me. bit. It's like, what happened here? How is that possible? Little little guy can get feisty, too. Yeah, well, it was really fun. He and Bobby also shared a very long moment after the game on the field. So many guys lining up to give Bobby a hug. Yeah, that was. Fun. and I think that's important for fans to understand of, like, guys can be out there yelling at each other and talking a lot of stuff. And it's not like a really negative. It doesn't mean they don't like each other. I mean, Doug Baldwin, or not Doug Baldwin. Jeez, where am I going with that? I don't know, but Doug Baldwin fits he, in the feisty oh, he conversation. Was feisty. But no, my point was like, <laughs> Tyler Lockett and Bobby Wagner are out there chirping each other. Well, like a week or two before that, they got together, pooled their money together, and paid off student lunch debt for the rent and school district. So it's like, th- this is very much just an on-field thing, and I just... You know, I think some fans might see that and think there's some really nasty stuff going on, which that's not the case. Well, and it was a close game. It was the game that we needed to see from the Hawks offense. It just kind of helped to put, I don't want to say an exclamation point on Geno's season because we're not done yet. No. But I think it took away maybe a question mark if we're going with the punctuation theme on that one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's been, I don't think it's necessarily a fair criticism, but that's sort of been the one thing people have pointed out if they want to say, well, Gino hasn't done this, is he hasn't led that game when he drive. And look, he might have done it against the Falcons, if not for a very iffy holding call. There's, you know, there's been things out of his control in some of these games where I don't think it's like, oh, he's not clutch, but it is just nice for everyone for that to be out of the way. He led a beautiful two plus minute drive, 75 yards played great on that drive through the game-winning touchdown. So I think we can kind of put that narrative to rest. But it is kind of fun to watch the attention that he's getting from around the league. Inside the building, they knew that he had talent, but Pete Carroll admits he didn't know everything about his quarterback. I think what surprises me is is his command of the situation, the overall command of how he's handled it and all that. Um, Like I've said, he's he's fiery, you know, he's a fiery competitor. And that's a part of his game that he has to help help work for him and not be a a factor where it distracts him. And he's been able to do that. And then he's handled the position of being the starting quarterback for a successful team, you know, and and, uh, 
you know, a lot of people are noticing it. It's pretty, pretty interesting. And, and to Carol's point, like they've seen Geno Smith for three years. They know the arm talent. They obviously believed in him to give him that starting job, but so much comes with being a starting quarterback in the NFL. You just don't really know for sure how it's going to go for that guy, either success or failure, how they'll handle just kind of the highs and lows of that position, all the attention, the media scrutiny, the just the media obligations. That's all new for Geno Smith this year. And he's been phenomenal that he's great in press conferences. He, you know, kind of deflects all the praise away from himself and passes off to coaches and teammates. He's just, he has been a leader in every sense. And it's really cool to see a guy get this chance after waiting so long and then just taking hold of it and doing so well with it in every sense. Well, and I think that's the thing that teammates keep coming back to, right? You could have done a lot of things in the eight years that you were waiting for another chance and you worked as if it was your opportunity. How many guys would have done that? Not a whole lot from what we've seen in the league. And when we talked to Tyler Lockett this week, he goes back to what he saw in college. When I was having a conversation with Gino last week, and we were talking about media, and I just, I said, man, you are so good at that. It's like, you got to remember, I started in New York. Yeah. Like, I, I've dealt with this before, which is true. You forget about all of the responsibilities he had in college and as that, as that draft pick, yeah, he, he's used I mean, all yeah, he of was, that. He was a big-time college quarterback, one of the big names in college football, which comes with plenty of media attention. And then, to your point, he played in the biggest market in the country, and there's so much scrutiny that's on that position in that city. And you know, maybe things didn't all work out off the field or on the field for him, but he certainly got that kind of training of what it's like to be in that big of a spotlight. Here's what I thought was super interesting in talking to Pete for so many. Years. I'm just going to say there's been this conversation around what a balanced offense looks like. And mm-hmm. we have spent a lot of time talking about rushing attempts and passing attempts versus, you know, kind of running yards, all of these things, right? We know mm-hmm. what Pete Carroll's formula is. I forgot about his metric for quarterbacks and what he expects for completion percentage. I've always expected us to be a 70% completion team. And that's that's always that was the goal, you know, and, and uh, knowing how hard it is and how few times that happens, you know. But that's always been, you know, the expectation I've had because we're trying to throw stuff that you can you can you can have those expectations. We're not chucking the ball over the yard and, and just hoping that you know that we can hit stuff down the field. Everything is really designed to, to maximize efficiency and so in complement with the running game, that's that's you know, I've been saying that for a long time. A big, you know, we all think of Pete as a defensive guy, but a big part of his coaching, you know, schematic philosophy comes from what he learned from Bill Walsh, Walsh in San Francisco and that West Coast style. And the, the big thing he took away from Walsh is this position's really hard. So I'm going to do things to make it easier on the quarterback. And that's one of them is, you know, creating, I'm not saying that he's not throwing difficult passes, but you do try to put him in good situations. And Gio Smith is, I mean, look, the offense is part of that, but Gio Smith has just been fantastic this year. I mean, you look at, you know, I think everyone knows he leads the league in completion percentages here, but I don't think people grasp how rare of air he's in with that number, 72.7%. There, there's been four seasons, oh no, three if you don't include this one for James Smith, three seasons of 72% or better in NFL history. Do you know who those were? I do because I read your Drew tweet. Brees, Drew Brees, and Drew Brees. <laughs> so, you know, we're talking a sure thing Hall of Famer and no one else has done it. And even if you go down the list below that, I mean, there, you know, Sam Bradford's kind of the anomaly, but otherwise it's more Drew Brees, it's Aaron Rodgers, more Drew Brees. I mean, the, the guys who've completed that 
high percentage of passes are some of the best guys to ever do it. So he is having just a fantastic season in a lot of regards, and that's just one of them. Well, and it's a varied offense, too, right? Like, you watch those windows that he threw into DK on the game-winning touchdown. I don't know how he threaded it in there. Mm-hmm. Where only DK can get. And he talked about it this week. That is all trust. Yeah. That is trust with Shane. That is trust with Gino. It, it's trust all the way around. But then you also have kind of the variety where you'll hit a running back on a, you know, a quick like three yeah. yard swing pass, whatever it end. is. Yeah. The roll out, hit a tight end in the flat. That's been a great play for them. Just, yeah, it's a very, I mean, give Shane Waldron a lot of credit. Not, not to diminish what Gino's been doing, but Shane's also been awesome this year of just keeping things keep keeping defenses on their toes well and i think maybe this is year two the result of it being year two for him as well right we've talked about a lot of different kind of settling into things but he's got a good feel for what he's doing for sure and uh you know i think the quarterback and him are just working together really well on this and it's yeah i just think everything about this offense is just looks a lot more efficient i mean the, the three and out numbers one of the fewest three and outs in the NFL, which speaks to, I mean, obviously you want to go score every drive, but even when you're getting a few first downs and moving, changing field position, keeping the defense off the field, like that all matters. And they're doing it all at a high level. Yeah. That, I loved that point that you brought up because that was your note that you brought up during press conferences. I stole it from our Seahawks PR people. So well, that's okay. Give our PR department credit for that one. It is one of the things that I chart during the game Mm -hmm. and I was actually thinking back when you had brought that up. I thought, man, I really haven't. The other side of that is I have watched our defense force some three and outs Mm -hmm. in critical moments of the game and just kind of realizing, yeah, that's been a big difference. Now, there have been games where it's a little bit more out of whack and you really wish that you could have gotten yards, but I I love that point that you made. Yeah, I just I, I think to me overall, we we keep coming back to everything as Geno Smith. It's the consistency of his play this year of, I mean, other than the 49ers game, which that was early in the year. They hadn't really opened the offense up and give the Niners credit. That's an incredible defense. But other than that game, there's not been a single game this season where it's like, man, they are not functioning on offense. There's not, we've seen even at their best in past years, sometimes the Seahawks offense felt a little boom and bust. Like there'd yep. just be games where it's like, okay, it's just not there today. And then maybe there'd be some late game heroics back in it. But I, I can't think of, again, other than that Niners game, a game where it just felt like, man, this offense is dead in the water. And I think Geno Smith deserves a lot of credit for that. Just the steadiness of his play, all the numbers, most games a season with a hundred passer rating in the NFL, most games with multiple touchdowns in the NFL. So he's just, he's getting it done week after week. And you don't see overall rankings where the Seahawks offense sits without consistency right now, 360 yards a game. That is ninth most in the NFL, 26 points a game. That's what they're averaging. That is fifth most in the NFL. But for all the consistency that we talk about on offense and the passing of Geno Smith, John, I can't help but wonder if we're going to see a lot more of those short passes this week. There's some huge question marks at running back. Yeah. Running backs going to be interesting this week for sure. I mean, uh, Pete Carroll kind of quipped when he was asked how the running backs look today. He said, well, Tony Jones looked good. Because that's, I mean, <laughs> they are banged up. We don't know Kenneth Walker's status. We don't know DJ Dallas. The good news is Travis Homer was able to practice Wednesday. So you hope that's a sign you're getting him back. Uh, it would be fun. You know, look, obviously you want all your guys. But I'd be really curious to see what a game of Travis Homer being the lead back looks like. Because he's looked really explosive in small doses these last two seasons. I, You know, again, I'm not saying I don't want to see Kenneth Walker out there. It'd be awesome to have him. But... I think the silver lining that if Travis Homer gets ready and is or is able to go, it'd be kind of fun to see him with a bigger load. But yeah, that I I think you know we're probably going to go into Sunday not really sure who's going to be available and who's going to be carrying the ball the most. So to your point, 
maybe the quick passing game is going to be called upon a little bit more. Even if Travis Homer is your lead back. He's they a great have pass used catcher. him in yeah. that in that short game. I, I really like him. And then to your point, very explosive. He found the end zone a couple of weeks ago yeah. on something exactly sure. like that. And as long as you have something underneath, mm-hmm. I would love for it to be a running back that is just going to play a, a tough style because you are going against a Carolina team that has taken on the identity of a defensive minded coach. Mm -hmm. They do play tough in the trenches, but I need something underneath and something tough to offset the opportunities that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett can get because last week, Oh my gosh, it's like the yin and the yang and I love it. And they work together so well. And I don't know what exactly is happening. Pete Carroll can point to practice and I'm sure that that's part of it. They practice so well every day, you know, they're really disciplined about, you know, making the most of their reps. And so their, their timing that they're working out with Gino is, um, we see it every day. I mean, I've been raving about Gino's practice for a long time. Well, those guys are really, really on it. Uh, and I, I think they've found their rhythm of consistency and preparation that really allows for them to just go cut it loose in the games and things are happening, you know. So it's been, a, it's been really fun to watch these guys. I do love that element. Pete talked about it after the game as well, that, how different they are. And yet you go, you look at the stats last week and it's almost identical. What eight catches versus nine catches, I think it was 127 yards, 128 yards. So it's like statistically, oh, they have the same game, but they are, you know, physically so different. They play stylistically different. I mean, heck, even their personalities are quite a bit different, but it just works so well. They complement each other so well on the field and they can both do so many different things. So it's, uh, I, I don't know when, I, I feel like the, was it DK or Tyler that brought this up yesterday? Kind of Seahawks receivers tend to be a little overlooked. Maybe it's where yeah, we are geographically. It was, DK. it was yeah. DK. You know, some years it's been the style of offense where just the volume numbers haven't been there. But you go back to, you know, the Doug Baldwin's, even Jermaine Curse, and there's just been a lot of really good receiver play in this city in the last, you know, well, forever going back to Largent, but even just in the Pete Carroll, John Schneider era. And uh, I don't know if this is a year they get a little more love than they have, but those two guys have just been phenomenal and been a big part of what the Seahawks have been doing offensively all year. We're going to come back to Tyler Lockett in just a second, but we do, uh, first of all, give a shout out to Steve Rabel, my broadcast partner, as one of those receivers in yeah, the early I mean, days of that, Seahawks yeah. football. Like, if you mention Largent, let's mention Rabel. They were on the same I team mean, together. pretty much the same player, it's right? The same Steve play- would be the first to say he was just as good as Steve Largent, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's got many stories. I'm not sure that they start like that, but sure. Uh, we'll get back to Tyler Lockett and the award that he is up for that is one of the most prestigious in the league. But let's actually talk about the matchup because Carolina has gone through a lot of changes. Now there is some familiar familiarity between the Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers because of their GM, Scott Fitterer, who was in Seattle with John Schneider for a number of years, but also this team just, it just looks different with Steve Wilkes. The whole team shows the, the change, you know, and you can see there's a physicality about him that's, I'm sure, what Steve's looking for, you know, you, he's, he's, it's shifted, you can see it. Defensively, they continue to be aggressive, um, they've got a really good group, they had a ton of sacks last year, and they're still putting a lot of pressure on. It just shows that he's, he's you know, he's figured into their mentality and all that, and it's a, it's a good way to go. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a real shift since they made that coaching change in October, they've They've three of their four wins have come since then. And to the point that we've heard it from Clint Hurt, we've heard it from Pete Carroll. This team has taken on just that kind of tough, hard nose, what you'd expect from a defensive head coach. They're running the ball really well the last few weeks, which we know is going to be a big test for the Seahawks defense. So, you know, I, I, 
would encourage Seahawks fans to, you know, watch this team versus looking at their record and assume that a struggling weak team is coming in here because they are anything but that. We saw that a couple of weeks ago with the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. And when you look at their record for the Panthers, they are four and eight. But here's the thing that NFC South, I could say that it's a mess. But what I'm going to say is it's wide open and yeah. they're only two games behind the Bucks, So they are fighting. They're playing like the playoffs yes. are on the line for them because they are. I mean, that division we saw it, when was that? It was a little while back that they, they won that division with like seven, seven, eight and one or something like that. So uh, there's guys left from that team who know that just because the start doesn't go the way you want, if you finish strong and the division kind of stays there out for the taking, they're going to keep fighting. Well, and the Seahawks defense has had some challenges in the last few weeks. Yeah. And when you talk about running the ball, the Panthers have committed to that or recommitted to that. Thanks to Dante Foreman. And uh, he's gone over 100 yards. I don't know why I'm tripping over these numbers. They're right here in front of me. Foreman has gone over 100 yards in four of the last six games. But, John, here's the thing that concerns me the most. Yards after contact. Mm -hmm. He is third in the league behind Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs. We just saw one of those guys. Yeah. And it didn't go well. No, it didn't. (laughs) And he was the backup to Derrick Henry in Tennessee. So he has seen how this works. And I, I... I feel bad asking Clint Hurt every week what needs to change with that that run defense, but you can't allow over 160 yards yeah. and expect no, they, to come away with a yeah. win. Yeah, I mean, it's been three straight games with two losses, and then even last week where the Rams had a bunch. Of, the one thing I think the Seahawks are looking at, not that it's acceptable to give up big yards on a fly sweep or a quarterback bootleg or anything like that, but the way the Rams got a lot of those yards – or not the, you know, traditional, not not what Jacobs did to them against right. the Raiders, not just line it up and run it down your throat. Those yards weren't really there for the Rams too much. I mean, Akers averaged three and a half yards of carry. So, again, you can't just say, oh, those plays don't count because you gave up those yards, but I think they do feel better about if you're going up against a smash-mouth team who's trying to run it on you like the Panthers will, that you handled that side of the run defense a little better against the Rams than you had in the previous two games. So they do feel like there's at least some some trending in the right direction, even if it's not all the way fixed. One of the other things we have seen as a trend in the Seahawks defense is rotating guys at corner, which Pete Carroll has talked about. And there's been kind of a a change in philosophy as to why we're seeing a little bit of uh, Michael Jackson and Trey Brown there. But here's what Pete is seeing at the moment. Everybody that played corner had a couple plays in the game that I, I can't ignore. Um, that weren't like we want him, but uh, Michael's playing really good football for us. He, he's done a terrific job. I mean, he's had a, I think he's had an excellent season, and, um, and you know, he wants to finish it off and finish it that way. Um, Trey is coming back into the fold. We're trying to get him, you know, alive and well and, and competing, and um, he would, you know, he's in the top three corners now, so that's a, you know, he's already shown us that. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I mean, traditionally, teams want to keep their best two guys out there all the time. But I think the Seahawks, there's there's a couple things at play here. One, uh, there's legitimate competition where if Trey Brown keeps playing really well, maybe he pushes for that starting job. But it's also just keeping him ready. He's been out quite a while. And like Clint Hurt said, kind of knocking some of the rest off because you hope everyone stays healthy for the entire season. But injuries do happen. You want guys to be ready. And if you have a guy that you see as a starting caliber guy, which they do in Trey Brown, then these reps are very valuable if he's called upon to do more or again if he's able to just go out and take the job away but Mike Jackson's not gonna make that easy as Pete Carroll just said he's he's been playing really well all year I also like the way that Pete characterized some of the big plays 
couldn't help but notice. Yeah. <laughs> Although what's funny that's, is that's definite Pete speak right there. At least one of those plays wasn't a big play because Trey or Tariq Woolen is such a physical marvel that he makes up for his mistakes. There's that one down the sideline. Yes. I think it was a two-two Atwell where, I mean, you if you pause the film at the time that ball's released, it's a good five yards pat. I mean, Tariq looks like he's smoked there, and yet he just catches right up sticks that huge arm out there and bats it away. I mean, it's just, you watch that play, you're like, man, people should not be able to do what he just did. It was crazy. He's got so much talent and it looks so natural. And yet every single person laughed when Clint Hurt told the story of rookie minicamp this week. Yeah, he said he couldn't catch a cold in Alaska, I believe it was. <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait, what are you talking about? Tariq Woolen has six interceptions. Yeah. It is a franchise record for a rookie. He leads the NFL, and he's a former wide receiver, and yet he's got problems with his hands? Like, yeah. what the heck, man? It's, turns out he's been busting his butt to, to improve that of, you know, the, the story that both Pete and uh, Clint told was he's, you know, after that, after those struggles early on, he's been working with Sean Mannion where pretty much every play of practice, they, you know, play ends, Mannion throws him a ball. So he's just practicing catching nonstop. Clint told us that he was out there catching tennis balls with the receivers after practice to work on his hands. So I do think it's funny when, when Clint Hurt was asked, you know, well, wasn't he a receiver? Or did you give him a hard time about that? And he said, now we know why they moved your ass to cornerback. <laughs> I know. I loved it. And here's the other part of that. You and I can stand out and watch practice. We frequently do. I have seen Tariq play and catch with Sean Mannion. Yeah. I never realized how intentional it was yeah. until after hearing this. And then I watched it and I thought, no, that's that's not Sean trying to stay warm because, you know, he's not getting as many reps. Yeah. I thought maybe it was just to keep yeah, his totally. arm loose in practice. I did not realize that that was intentionally to to help Tariq in that. And I just think it's so cool that you're willing to look for those little differences. Also, he's processing so much information. Mm -hmm. The fact that he can keep adding on to his game in yeah. season, I and, think is amazing. And one other thing, not the same topic for him, but it's just a similar idea of the work he's putting in is we talk so much about like what, just what a physical marvel he is because he's so fast and tall and everything else. But when you ask uh, Quandre Diggs about his game on Sunday, the first thing he brought up was his run defense. He had seven tackles in that game. He was throwing his body around. So the fact that a guy who is just so physically gifted, the things his teammates are talking about right now is how he's playing tough run defense and how he worked so hard to work on his hands. Like that shows that he's not someone who's just going to rely on those physical gifts, but he really wants to put in the work to be the best he can. Uh, another guy that teammates are talking about this week is Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Because of what he does off the field, he is the Seahawks nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year honor. It is the second straight year that he has earned that nomination. And he just, he shows up everywhere for the team. His voice and his, his experience, in which would lead to his wisdom, has uh, really been apparent during this season. You know, maybe as much as ever. It is as much as ever, yeah, because it's the opportunity has been there. You know, captain and all that kind of stuff. And I think he's affected more people in the program than he ever has. I mean, he's always been a marvelous com competitor and performer. And, you know, we carry him off the field half the time for all the heroics that he's pulled off. But, but that's been really obvious. And, and it's cool to see that him emerge. Yeah, he's the first player to be nominated for this award in consecutive years since 99-2000. You know, one of only a handful of guys the Seahawks have ever nominated multiple times. So that, that kind of goes to show you just the opinion everyone in this building has of him. And it hasn't always been, like, he's not necessarily showy with his, the way he gives back. I mean, he talked about he likes it. His family helps a lot. His work, his friends do, because he doesn't necessarily want the credit for it. But even if he tries to deflect it, 
it's nice to see him honored like this because he does so much good here back home in yeah. Oklahoma and Kansas. We're in school at K-State. So uh, just great human being who the organization has been lucky to have for this long. We mentioned that the Seahawks are at home for the, gosh, almost the remainder of their regular season. But we should pause and get a word from our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell. Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. I think I'm going to go find some Christmas lights this weekend, John. That's a good plan. It's kind of getting late. You gotta... Well, no, I mean, yeah, like go. Oh, go look at them. I thought Christmas. you meant like go buy something to no, put up on your house. Uh, no, oh, my that makes house more is sense. already decorated. Oh, I thought you There's were procrastinating. Your... No, no, but here's what I have been procrastinating: like leaving the house on the weekend when yeah. I had a day off because we just don't get those so yeah. i've done a lot of things around the house and i think it's time to get out in the city a little bit yeah, maybe just go fun. find a i don't generally have like a mocha or like a real latte i'm very much a straight drip mm-hmm. coffee but maybe like a holiday beverage yeah that sounds like a good time yeah it'll probably be gross wet really weather sugary. yeah oh, <laughs> no, I I was going weather. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we are not on the same page we are right not. now We're, john we, we are, are yeah Go ahead. We're not. I was just thinking We're no that Geno that Smith and a... DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett right now. That's not really on the, the same story page. of my yeah. life on that one. I think it's going to be a weekend of uh, seeing some things around town as my version of travel this week. We are just about done, but two things that you need to see, John. I have a feeling we're on the same page with these. I mean, I'm starting with the run defense, yeah. which seems pretty obvious. Uh, the Panthers have gone over 145 rushing in every win this year. And the, they, they've done that four times, six times this year. They've won four of those games, and the other two were, you know, really close competitive games. So when they're moving the ball, they're having success on offense. The other one, just clean up the turnovers. Seahawks, I, I think I said this last week, have not had a turnover-free game this year. Had two more. Look, one was pretty iffy. I, I, we think the officials maybe got that one wrong. But regardless, two turnovers again last week. As we've discussed, this might be a game that calls on Geno Smith to do a little bit more if, if the running game is not there or if the running game is going, it's going to be some guys who maybe don't carry the ball as much having to carry the load. So whoever's got the ball in their hands, just take care of it. Yeah, I was going to say under 120 rushing yards mm-hmm. and keep Geno Smith clean. The number yeah. of sacks have gone up in the last couple of weeks, and we didn't even talk about Brian Burns, who's tied for fifth most sacks in the league with 10. Lots of tackles for losses. He can cause a lot of problems up front. So let's keep that pocket clean so yeah. Geno can actually make those throws downfield as needed. I like it. That's our game plan for the week. See, I told you we'd be on the same page with that one. We hope that uh, you've enjoyed this episode. We'll be back with you again next time.